everyone. Welcome to Fireside Chats on the Young Mind. My name is Alexandra Dutton, and I'm the program director of Old Firehouse School in Lafayette. Today, we're going to talk about dual language learners or children who are growing up learning more than two languages. And we are joined by our director of our Old Firehouse School San Rafael campus, Liz Nolasco, as well as Elodie Resurrection, who is the French program coordinator for the school Ecole Bilang in Berkeley. Uh, she works with children from ages two years old all the way to middle school in this uh, bilingual French program. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. I am really grateful that I've been able to learn a lot more about dual language learners the last few weeks as you've been doing a class with all of the Old Firehouse School teachers. And there's been so much that we have covered. And I think that a lot of families, when they join our school, especially because we do have a lot of families who are not necessarily going to a, a bilingual program like yours, as well as Elodie's, but even just going to a regular preschool program, families might speak a different language at home. And I think there's a lot of different feelings and understandings about how we can support the children that are coming into our program. So I'd love to hear from you generally, whether it's learning one language or learning more than one language, what are some ways that language learning looks like in really young children, like the toddler and preschool age children? So I think that uh, learning a language in a preschool for uh, for our our children, they they will learn it by looking at adults, for example, when they talk. Uh, they look at their model, and uh, so it's really important uh, to have them see models. And uh, they also learn it by their with their peers. So talking with peers, interacting with other children of their age. Uh, so the learn, uh, learning a language, it's like a, a process that will go from their young age and continue to evolve. Even today, we continue to learn, uh, in different languages. So it's something that it's really, uh, it's a process. They could also sing, uh, by singing songs. They could learn the language. They could learn the structure of the language, the vocabulary. It's a very general. I love the idea of considering all language learning together, right? I've read that from zero to four, all children are language learners. We consider bilingual education or adding additional languages oftentimes when children are a bit older, but really up until four years old or so, all children are acquiring all of the languages that they're exposed to fluidly and fluently. So just considering how they're learning their first language or their first two languages, however, their their household looks, we just continue that to bring in when we're bringing in additional languages. I think the other piece that's so important for language acquisition is that children, like learning anything else, they need to have the opportunity to contribute. They need the practice of expression when they're learning language, whether it's their first language, their second language, their fifth language, to be able to fully learn it. If they're just listening passively to like CDs or TV shows, they don't acquire language to the same depth. Great that you mentioned that, Liz, because I was thinking a little bit about, you know, Elodie, you're talking about modeling language and how children are hearing it. But there is definitely going to be a difference from passive listening to language. So whether it's 
again, like a TV show or an app versus them actually having interactions with other people and talking? Yes, I, I really, uh, I really join you uh, on that, uh, by explaining to the other one our thought or like all of that, like the kids are really like interacting and so they are active in their language. So it's uh, something that it's really important to have the interaction. And also when they have another language, the, the mediation also to go from one language to another one. But it's something that we might talk later on. I don't know. I think it's also important to remember the three components of language learning, right? There's expressive language, receptive language, and then there's literacy, right? Being able to read and write in that language. And even children with semi-equal or close to equal exposure to two or more languages may and will develop those three dimensions of language learning to different degrees based on the way that they can practice. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Because definitely, I've, I've even personally experienced having grown up in a household where I was around people who were speaking a different language. My family is a Filipino family. So they were speaking different dialects around me, but not to me. So my expressive language, because I never actually spoke it to them is zero. But I understand it. So I have that capacity to understand it. And I definitely can't write or read any of it. So that's, that's really interesting to think about that too, that the different ways that children are going to be learning language will change depending on their level of interaction. I always find it so surprising. My husband, he was born in Korea and then he moved here when he was eight, but his first language was Korean. But when he moved to the United States, that kind of all went away. And so even as a child, Korean was his first language. He can hear it really well now. He still understands it, but he does not have hardly any expressive language in it because that stopped when he moved away from that. So it sounds like it's really important if you really want your children to be bilingual, to continue that interaction, that talking and that listening component. Yeah, my husband who has the same kind of story, he's, uh, his parents are Philippine, uh, from the Philippines, and he was listening to his grandma, but also has uh, to, he, he was also uh, always answering in English. And so now when we work somewhere, he could definitely, and all his family speak, uh, speak uh, Tagalog, he could totally understand it. But if I ask him to give a, a sentence, he cannot produce one because he was not used to produce this language. He was answering in English. So yeah, definitely it's really important to, to use the language in different uh, levels. So for children who might be learning two languages at home, and definitely my school is not a bilingual school, but I have children who are learning Russian, English, or Dutch and English, or um, Spanish and English, or Farsi and English at home. What is happening with how they're learning language? Does it end up being something that is going to be problematic for them as they're growing and learning two different languages? As like Liz said, from zero to four, all children are learning language generally, whether you're an English native speaker or not. So is this a problem to actually have them learn two languages at the same time? I think it's more, it's, uh, it's not a problem. It's the opposite. Like it will really help them. It could look, there was studies that have been made that, uh, show like the studies in the past have shown like myth, but because, um, 
they were they they evaluated the bilingual students. They assessed them as monolingual, so they were assessing only one part of their repertoire linguistic. So, for example, if they assess them only in English, but they are English and German, and if you don't assess them, allowing them to use their both languages, they will be able to only express them 50% because they have the, their full uh, repertoire, their full vocabulary and structure is not used because we ask them to ignore the 50 other percent. So when you assess them in only one language, it could look like they only have, I will not say it's exactly 50% because it's uh, more dynamic, but you will only assess one part of the student. But if if we look at the vocabulary, the full vocabulary of the student in English and in French, or in English and in um, in German, for example, if we assess the full just the, the words that he have, he will certainly, like most of the recent studies have shown that they have more vocabulary than a monolingual student. Because oh. they, they, they will sometimes have, a, if they speak with their family in German, uh, last time I have a family, for example, in French, and uh, they were telling me that the kid always, when he, she's playing with her doll and everything, she played in English because she started to play with doll in at school. So she have all the vocabulary in English. So she always use that. But after for something different, she will speak in French. So she has the vocabulary in French. And so after later on, she will have the vocabulary in both language. But if we just assess her right now in French about the doll, she might not show what she knows because you only ask her to show that in French. I don't know if it's clear. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fascinating. So it ends up that a bilingual child, and that makes sense logically that they would have more vocabulary in two different languages than one child in one language but you're right if you're doing some sort of assessment on language for a child in America it's going to be mostly in English so we're not necessarily taking into account the some other aspects of their knowledge that oh that's really interesting so it's definitely not a bad thing in in terms of just vocabulary in general they will actually have more vocabulary in two different languages. Yeah, and even more after, because if uh, if you only have one language, I always imagine that as like someone looking at a 2D, like a two-dimension paper, like drawing. You are monolingual, you only see the two dimension. But when you start to have another language, you start to have other words, and each word, they are embedded with a lot of signification or they could help you with a lot of other significations. So you start to see the world like in three dimensions because okay. you're going to add French and English and sometimes you're going to, oh, you're going to make link between those languages, between the words themselves sometimes. Like, for example, parapluie in French, para, it's against, and pluie, it's rain. So parapluie, it's against rain. And after you're gonna see other, you're gonna hear other words in English or in other uh, language that have para also. So you already now know that it will be something against. But so this is for the world. So the kids will be able to make more connection because mm-hmm. they are already open to different words to designate the same word. And uh-huh. after they will also be uh, more open to to make link when they, for example. 
some parents could be scared that their kids are mixing the words. The street, but if you look at it, it shows that, uh, for example, if uh, a kid say, uh, "I am twelve years old," or "I am two years old," and uh, if you said it in French, it's not "je suis deux ans," it's "j'ai deux ans." But some parents will be scared because the structure is not good in French. But they just translate it from the English exactly. So that shows that they already have the structure of the English language, that they just reuse and exchange the vocabulary in French. But that already shows that they understand the structure of the sentence. That already shows that they have conscious about like the different structure, the pronouns, the verb, and, uh, and the thing. So it looks in French like a mistake, but it's it's not. It's just that the kids really assimilate the the structure of the language. So sometimes also if they mix uh, the language, so some will say the where is la television? Where where is la television? Television is TV in French. Where is la television? And some parents will be like, oh, they mix it. It's very scary because he doesn't know exactly which language he is talking. Most of the time, it's just that he doesn't have the vocabulary. In, in English, or he prefer to use this one. And he will, most of the time, they will always replace a non with a non, a verb with a verb. So again, it shows that they understand the structure. That is so interesting. I've definitely had families tell me that before, that they are worried. My child is confused because he says this in Spanish, but this in English. That's very reassuring that actually they are understanding the deeper complexities of language, the grammar and the structure of the language in a way that they, you know, they can't obviously explain. I am using a noun for this, Mm -hmm. but they understand it kind of more at their core because they're having to, to translate almost at the same time. And it's happening instantaneously. It's not something that children are struggling, but they will eventually figure out that there's two different languages often and they will get there. They do that pretty early too. Research has indicated that oftentimes when children are code mixing the languages like that, they're doing it with people who they know speak both languages or they're working for a word. But most often if children are code mixing, they know that the person they're talking to understands both or most of both. And that starts even as young as two or three years old. Children can distinguish and change, modulate their own language use based on the social group that they're with. It's fascinating. It really is. I always remember one of our little girls here whose parents were Dutch. One was Dutch and one was Japanese. And then she came here and she was learning English. And by three and a half, four years old, she was code switching depending on who she was talking to instantaneously. If mom would pick up, she would go from speaking English to me or to her teacher and then go to mom and start speaking in Japanese to mom. And if both parents were there, she would speak in Japanese to mom and Dutch to the dad or just English to both. But she could do it without having to stop and go, oh, who am I talking to? And it it just happened so quick. And it was really amazing to see that ability in such a young child because they really believed strongly, I want my child to know these two languages. So they would frequently speak to her in their home languages. And it did it. It helped her learn both. So it doesn't sound like there's negative impacts. It's just that they're learning this code switching and they will get there. And then at the end of it, they're just going to be having, you know, having this really amazing gift of being able to understand language in a different way than someone who's monolingual. 
What about ways that families can support children who are learning language at home? What are some recommendations you have for them learning one language at home or learning more than one language? I think that if a family wants to support their children to learn at least two languages, like we said at the beginning, like you have to find different situations so the, the children is not always passive or like always active. So really have multiple situations so the kids could learn a different way of expressing himself, but also understand in different ways the language. You could use also um, gesture or images to support the language to help the, the children express themselves with uh, maybe also an image at the beginning and after you will see the link uh, when we use the same word, but we have the same thing happening or the same image, we will use the same image. The family also can support their children by allowing them to listen to music in different language, seeing different peers like other, other children uh, speaking this language, interacting with a different person, and also stories using different books because the language is important also but the culture also i think it's uh it's really important because uh it's opening the language will open them to something different but it's really gonna also open them to a, a different culture so i think it's also really important uh, i don't know Liz, if you have other uh other tips yeah, I think your idea of when you can finding that peer community for the child can be really helpful, you know, for you as an adult with raising a multilingual child and for the child to have peers to continue practicing the language with because children do talk to peers differently than they talk to adults and they use different vocabulary and having that social vocabulary and social support can be important, but it's also not always available depending on the language you speak. There might not be a large community of that language speakers nearby. I think, like you said, having the stories, having the books available so they have exposure to that written language as well is really crucial to developing all three types of literacy in, or sorry, all three types of language in both languages that you're using and trying to teach the child. There is also nice podcast nowadays, podcast or audiobook. So even you, you don't have the accent or like, because... Uh, no worries. It's okay to speak with, <laughs> without a great accent. And this is another thing also. The student, the children until seven years old. That's why it's, it's not better. It's always good to learn a new language at any stage of your life, even at 60. But, uh, as soon as the kids learn a new language, uh, he also will continue to hear the, the sound. So until seven years old, approximately they will have more chance to also have very like the accent, like not uh, not too much accent because they really understand the sound and they continue to work on on uh, on the sound. If you, yeah, audiobook are good for that also because they will uh, hear someone with a native accent, but also having non-native person speaking is really important because they show also like that everyone could talk a different language. We don't have to judge or anything like accents are all also good. Thank you so much, Liz and Elodie, for your 
expertise in this. And I think it's going to be something that a lot of our families can really benefit from learning more about. And, you know, as much as I wish I could be completely bilingual, I am not, but I do see the value in hearing other languages, learning other languages, even uh, me, a monolingual person, like we listen to a lot of songs and other languages, just because I want my children to be part of that world. Like you said, Elodie, that language is part of different cultures and part of our world and to celebrate that. And I love that my children can, you know, even if they don't speak any of the languages, they are starting to recognize, oh, that's Spanish, right? Oh, that's that's a Korean word. That's a that's in um, French. So it's wonderful that they can at least recognize that there are many other languages in the world. And hopefully that will help them learn other languages as they grow up too. Thank you so much for your time. And we will hopefully have you back soon. I, I feel like this is a topic we could learn more about as well. So we'll have you back again for sure. Thank you and have a great day. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks so much for listening to Fireside Chats on The Young Line. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. And also you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Take care.